Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. It's just a, a great conference that is at a, at a point right now where they're, I think, clearly the best group of five conference in the country. The state of Sun Belt football is the strongest in our history. Uh, and we got to continue to showcase uh, what our league is about. This league is insane. Yeah, it might be like one of those eight wonders of the world. <laughs> and you can see just what a great group of five conference it really is. It, it's a big deal. Boy, life is looking pretty good in the Sun Belt these days. Welcome back to the Fun Belt Podcast. With me, as as mostly always, is Dusty Thibodeau from the Warhawk Report. Hello, Dusty. How goes? Greetings from the good old state of Texas. And we got Ben Moore from Panther Talk. Hello, Ben. Hello. It's uh, great to be a champion here in the city of Atlanta. We didn't <laughs> mention that yet, but we will uh, at some point, Mr. Thibodeau. Uh, Wait, does it count, though, if your parade goes by at like 60 miles an hour? <laughs> yeah, what was that? So, so here's the, here's the deal. They were so delayed. And by the way, the the parade actually started on the campus of Georgia State and moved up past the Georgia State Capitol building. Well, as parades go, uh, they tend to get extremely backed up. Well, the issue was is the Georgia State Patrol had blocked significant portions of the downtown connector, including 75 and 85, to lead this parade, and they were over an hour and a half late basically exiting where they were supposed to be. So they had to essentially catch up. So you had obviously some videos on Twitter and other things, them flying by, uh, but it did slow down there at Cobb Parkway outside of uh, Truist uh, Park and uh, was roughly estimated as somewhere in the neighborhood of about a million people. <laughs> eight Metro Atlanta uh, schools uh, let out uh, and most city of Atlanta businesses were out as well. Uh, my kids' school system did not lest all their teachers basically watch the parade on their computers or in their classrooms. So my kids really didn't do anything that Friday. Uh, they came home wearing their Braves gear and said, Dad, we just basically watched the parade for two and a half hours. But, uh, yeah, it's great, to uh, great, great, obviously, to have a, have a championship here in the city of Atlanta. So, so what I take away from that is that Atlanta doesn't know how to celebrate a championship. It's been a while. It's been a while, Dusty. And, and they neglected the children that are our future of America and educating them all because they wanted to watch a 60 mile an hour parade. Listen, we're, we're 48th in the country and like school. I mean, thank God for Washington DC and Mississippi, man. That's kind of where we're at right now. <laughs> Easy. We right. have Southern Miss now. We can't dog Mississippi. Listen, they, they own it. Well, they know it. They know their school system, you know, look, they're let me try to unring this bell and get us back on track. Cause Dusty seems like determined to get into a fight with you. I'm looking at you at Zoom right now, but Ben looks like the Incredible Hulk tonight. I don't think Dusty wants any part of you. His camera's messed up and he's green. That's why. (laughs) Sun's out, guns out, boys. Tonight is the very first night of Sunbelt basketball. It is happening. I know we're all into football right now, that the, the, the races are tightening up. We've got college football playoff committee causing a lot of trouble with their picks. But right now, Sunbelt Conference basketball is happening even as we speak. Georgia State in action. UA Little Rock in action. Defending champion Appalachian State in action. Your favorite team, Georgia Southern in action with some Mac on Sunbelt action with Ball State. Guys, how do you feel about the basketball season coming up? Georgia Southern has the best opening night game, at least on their home court. You know, we had talked – 
several times about how the home schedule just kind of sucks. But so far, everybody's taking care of business and doing what they need to do. Georgia Southern, as we speak, has a modest lead over Ball State. Not sure how much of a big win, a win over a Mac is in basketball for the mid-major as opposed to if they were beating a SOCON or, you know, one of the other better uh, G5 or mid-major conferences. But, hey, a win over another perennial G5 football league, we'll take it. Anytime you can beat a peer conference, I'm all in for that, uh, even if it's Ball State, which I think has had some historically had some pretty good teams. I just want to know if Georgia State's going to somehow triumph over Bruton Parker tonight. Yeah, as we as we were talking off air, uh, they are a NAIA school uh, that has already played seven games. Uh, they played last night. They're doing the back to back. They're a school that is actually located on the way to Statesboro if you're going to Atlanta down uh, the Devil's Highway there, I-16. Um, so kind of in the middle part of the state. Uh, they don't, they're not very uh, tall, which is a problem because Georgia State is very tall. They have a lot of guys uh, that are very good and athletic and the, the Sunbelt preseason favorite, uh, I believe the last time these two uh, clashed, it was 104-35 final. So we're, we're pacing that right now. Uh, it's looking like a uh, under four timeout here, and, and the Panthers have a comfortable 24-point lead here in the first, first half. Well, prayers up for Bruton Parker. I counted five games tonight where ESPN didn't even bother with the opponent's logo. We've got games against Spring Hill, Ferrum, West Florida, Carver College. These guys are perennial heavyweights. But opposite of what the oh, what some of the Sunbelt schools are doing tonight, ULM is putting on the boxing gloves right now in about half an hour, going to go up against LSU. Thibodeau, what are the chances that the Warhawks give LSU a good game tonight? Yeah, um, both teams will go out and play hard. It'll be a hard-fought uh, 40 minutes. And uh, at the end of the game, there will be uh, questions asked by the media, and players will get post-game meals and back on a bus. No, I mean, you know, ULM opens up with LSU, obviously, tonight. Uh-huh. They go to Auburn, I believe it's Friday night. You got to pay the bills and just hope that you compete. Hopefully, uh, head coach Keith Richard in his 12th season there can can kind of decipher the madness there that's going to happen in these two games and figure out what exactly he has. Because the the discussions that I've had with him and his coaching staff, there wasn't a whole lot really learned last year in the COVID year. Yeah, They went very heavy on the JUCO route. So they have some seasoned players, but none that have really played at the D1 level to be able to speak to how that's going to translate and and really put them in the Sunbelt Conference. Now, Dusty, Ben and I appreciate that analysis 100%, but it's not good enough. We demand a Warhawk win over LSU, and we're putting the onus on you, Dusty Thibodeau, to make it happen. All right. I'll uh, catch y'all later. I'm going to go get on a plane and uh, yeah. catch y'all from Baton Rouge. Coach them personally. You just can't do like a Zoom call? Like <laughs> you on FaceTime or something? Oh, to, no, I'm yeah. suiting up. Up the troops? Come on, I'm man. Suiting maybe, up. Just, maybe just send a text with a GIF, you know, just something to get them going. That might be enough. Meanwhile, uh, the at the end of the night, my uh, Arkansas State Red Wolves take on in-state rival Harding University. Buffaloes. 
back the bison actually, but that's okay. It's close. It's close. It's like a buffalo. But uh, Harding is picked to finish ninth in the GAC this year. I'm not even sure what GAC means. Great American Conference, maybe. But uh, hopefully that's a good win for the Sun Belt and not an embarrassing loss for Arkansas State. Ben, we know that among the three of us here, basketball is your bread and butter. I know that nobody loves basketball amongst the three of us more than Ben Moore. Ben, what is your 30,000-foot view of basketball as we enter the season for the Sun Belt? Yeah, I, I think, uh, honestly, it's a, it's going to be, uh, I think, probably a two- or three-team race at the top, just looking at it, just from the returning talent coming back and, and then some of the guys that are coming in. Um, you know, it pretty much, you know, all the bracket projections, the Joe Lenardi's of the world or CBS bracket projections are, are basically saying either Georgia State or Louisiana. Um, you know, you still have Texas State who won the regular season as well. They return a lot and they have uh, certainly some pedigree there. You also have, of course, Appalachian State who won the tournament title and, and yanked it away there from Georgia State uh, in, in the first year down in um down in the panhandle, uh, basically. So, um, you know, it's it's going to be a good year, I think, for the league uh, as we continue to talk about, you know, non-conference wins, no matter who it is. If it's a high major team, if it's a mid fellow mid-major, um, it's important to notch those victories uh, to, to raise, you know, the league up. Um, I think, you know, for too long, it's been one of those situations where the league champion, uh, you know, goes and takes care of business, wins, you know, three games uh, in, in the Sun Belt tournament. The issue is then they just arrive in the NCAA tournament as a 15 seed, uh, just to be kind of fodder. Um, and, and I think that's the difficult part about it ultimately with this league is you want to continue to see, um, you know, all teams continue to get better. Now we know, uh, you know, the NIT will take the regular season champ. So just in case the regular season champ is not the tournament champ, uh, then you at least have two teams in the postseason and continuing to obviously do well there. So um, what we're, I mean, very interested to see if the CIT and CBI do return post-COVID. Um, you know, those are those were things that were impacted from a tournament standpoint, um, the financial impact that uh, we don't really know quite yet. We'll know that in spring. Uh, but I, I think there will be some very solid teams out there. South Alabama obviously lost a lot. Uh, Coastal Carolina, uh, as you guys caught up with Cliff Ellis, they lost a lot. I mean, basically their top two scores and the player of the year in the league uh, transfers to again. Yeah. So um, very, very interesting um, you know, names that are back. But you also have, you know, a, a brand new. Uh, Sun Belt first team. You know, you only have you know, uh, you know, Nor Norchad O'Meara over there at Arkansas State is the only guy who was on the on the you know starting five last year to, to close the season out. So I think it's going to be a very good league. There's a lot of good coaches in this league, and uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see some uh, some early you know season upsets uh, in November and December. Ben Moore, you have said that you felt like it's going to be kind of top heavy. Uh, I, I don't see anything wrong with that analysis, but I'm, I'm going to roll the dice a little bit and say maybe it's going to be 50-50. I, I, I feel like there might be five or six teams that kind of battle it out. Now, I know Georgia State and Louisiana are kind of the cream, but in basketball, it seems like, 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 like things can change at a moment's notice. So I feel like maybe there's six teams down that could do some damage, but it also seems like there's also six teams that aren't worth a shit. So I don't know what how uh, the Sun Belt basketball is going to be, but I feel like it might be one of the more interesting seasons we've had in a long time. Thibodeau, back me up on this. Yeah, I mean, I think my sleeper team that I've really looked at and like a lot, especially with the transfers that they have landed, <clears throat> the Jaguars. 
I mean, yeah. they have a guy from LSU, Manning's his last name. I forget his first name. They have a local kid from right here in Houston, J.J. Chandler, that just transferred from Texas A&M. I got to see him when he was in high school. The guy is a straight-up amazing player. They're going to ball out. It's a matter of whether or not they can get that core playing together and clicking. Basketball is really like an offensive line in football that you just got to get comfortable with the guys that you have on the floor, and then there's nothing that's going to stop you. I always felt like basketball is one of those sports that it takes about a month and a half for a team to gel. So like that first month and a half, you don't know quite know what's going on. They hit into conference play and suddenly they're firing on a thousand cylinders. So that's what I like about basketball is that you have a completely different team from the beginning of the season to the end of the season. Right now, Georgia State's up 39 to 10 over BP. Let's root for Georgia State because this is the time of year where, boys, we can root for anybody in the Sun Belt, right? It's okay. Am what, I right? Ben, what, you can what? even root for Georgia Southern, right? And, 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 and Tibbs, you can root for Louisiana, right? Um, so right now, Texas State is a leading incarnate word, as, as even when I was in San Marcos this past weekend, they call it the redemption game because they want to finally be incarnate word in something. I think they even lost in women's soccer to them. 9-4, the early score. Go Bobcats. No boob cats this week, Jeremy. They actually oh, what? No, no. That you know what? When it comes to basketball, we're all even. Steven in my book, and I, I'm rooting for the Bobcats to get that elusive win over Incarnate Word. Thibodeau, why don't you lead us into football as we monitor these basketball scores? Yeah, this past week was a good week. Georgia yeah. State really That's gave fun. Louisiana Lafayette everything they could, uh, but the Cajuns yeah. were able to claim their fourth straight Sunbelt West title as it stands right now they're going to host that that conference championship game against Appalachian State I think that's the best matchup but I think we all agree that we want a Cajuns and as Ben refers to them sea chickens game there the first week of December that might be cool but I'm I, Ben I feel for you in that loss to the Cajuns because that's how every loss to the Cajuns aside from the Appalachian State game has been where you think you might win it and you claw and you fight and you pound and you somehow come up even less than a touchdown short. It's just crazy with Louisiana this year. Yeah. All of a sudden, you know, you have Levi Lewis and he doesn't look like he's, you know, clicking on all eights. And then all of a sudden, bang, 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 there they go down the field. And, uh, you know, Georgia State did a really good job slowing their running game for the vast majority of the game. Uh, really forcing them to pass, and, and Levi missed a lot of opportunities. Uh, the, the 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 Billy Napier decisions to continue to roll the dice on fourth down uh, nearly cost him, I think, the ball game. You know, it, it was one of those scenarios where um, he had the opportunity to go. Um, you know, we, we talked to Coach Elliott um, uh, on the Georgia State side on Monday. He He's saying that Darren Granger, his starting quarterback, is not hurt. Uh, I respectfully disagree. Uh, I think he's just not trying to give the Coastal Carolina folks any – um, any nod uh, Granger was one for nine passing in the second half uh, he, he was you know visibly uh, his he just could not step into throws it looked like his ankle was bothering him significantly I believe he hurt that against uh, Georgia Southern the week before so uh, hoping the extra rest will help them but um, you know the defense has been standing up for the Panthers the last few weeks and um, ultimately that's keeping them in ball games but uh, it's just one of those opportunities very similar to Auburn uh, where you're just not scoring in the second half 
you're getting you know, you're getting 10 point you know 12 point leads not being able to put the team away uh, some special team miscues and, and just some uh, some weird stuff always seems to happen at Cajun Field as well to the in this series but uh, it's another close game that the Panthers lost now they got to reload and, and uh, look forward to the uh, bleach blonde mulleted uh, coastal Carolina bunch I was really surprised in that game though that it was only a three nothing game at the half and really, it could have been a zero-zero game um, at that point. Did, did you really think that, that Georgia State just didn't make the adjustments in the second half there, Ben? Or you think that it was Louisiana Lafayette just kind of coming alive? Yeah, that's part of it. I mean, ultimately, there's just some, there were some throws missed. There were some opportunities missed. I think Granger missed, you know, uh, the tight end Roger Carter on a touchdown pass through behind him and, and kind of caused him to sit down there. So they fans had to settle for uh, the field goal there on, on that drive in the first half. Um, they had some opportunities as well. Uh, Robert Lewis, wide receiver, just could not corral the ball in for about 45 yards. That would have put them in field goal range again and end up uh, punting. Um, and, and then basically in the fourth quarter, just really couldn't, uh, you know, generate the amount of, you know, I guess you're going three and out back-to-back uh, opportunities. Again, giving a, a redshirt senior quarterback the ball and saying, go win the game, son, on your home home field. Um, is not a good recipe. You know, that's we we certainly saw it earlier in the season against Auburn. You you wanted to to uh, you you go and take the lead late. You want to be able to salt the game away, get a defensive stop, and they just couldn't come up with the plays uh, to to you know seal that victory. Had the ball, you know, with, with uh, you know a minute left to go in the game, and, and just uh, three straight incompletions to end the game there as well. So um, tough tough loss. Um, you know, the the good news, if there is some, is it did happen on Thursday night. So you have a couple. of extra days uh, to kind of reload. Uh, they should get uh, one of their defensive backs, Brackley's Brown back, as well as Cornelius McCoy, who was a guy that's uh, been flirting with all Sunbelt uh, honors uh, back from a hamstring injury. So the Panthers could be getting healthy um, this week uh, against Coastal Carolina, which we know Coastal Carolina is not healthy, as, as that was the big stu- story, uh, certainly that came out for the weekend for me. Uh, Grayson McCall may be done for the season with the shoulder injury. Upper body injury. It's shoulder bursitis, boys. I'm gonna break some news right here if you don't believe me. I'm I'm just merely uh, he's just the mimicking what the good old mullet leader stated this week on the Sunbelt Conference coaches call. Bless his heart, as we say in the South. <laughs> Speaking of blessings, Arkansas State helped Appalachian State stay atop the Sunbelt East standings with a 48-14 game. We do what we can. Stephen Jones, three interceptions, two of which were returned for touchdowns, which led to Jeremy's continued streak of helping name the Sunbelt Conference Player of the Week in various categories. First time for defense, though. We're we're happy to contribute at all angles. I mean, you get you're, you're a giver, Jeremy. We do appreciate that. Well, you know, that's what the Red Wolves are about. You know, if they're 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 more about giving than receiving. So it's 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 all about you know it's about team spirit. It's about giving 110. percent It's about uh, playing in the community, not just on the gridiron, that kind of thing. But but yes, yes, I was there for that game. It was homecoming for Arkansas State. I did not serve in a reporter's capacity. I was on in the in the stands, in with the people, listening to what they had to say. And for the most part, fairly jovial, despite the, the start. And the first quarter and a half was pretty entertaining. It was 14 to 14. It felt like we were getting some stuff done on defense, getting some stuff done on offense. 
And then like Appalachian State does, they start beating you down in the trenches. Uh, they're just bigger, stronger, faster than Arkansas State. You saw that uh, uh, Hatcher had his second just god-awful game in a row through another three picks. Did not ever look comfortable back uh, behind that sort of shaky uh, offensive line. Uh, as a result, the, uh, the game got out of hand in the second half fairly quick. But uh, I will say one thing about Cam Peoples. Cam Peoples looks to me as close, the closest to, uh, oh, God, who's the running back for Titans right now? Derrick Henry. He looks like the closest thing to a Sunbelt Derrick Henry that I've seen in a long time. He's just very big. He's very fast. He bowls over everyone. Uh, if we were talking kind of offline about who might be the Sunbelt player of the year. And people certainly deserve a lot of attention for that. I, I hope Don't forget about Nate Noel, who leads the Sunbelt in, in rushing yards, too. That's his back. Yeah. Mate. Nate, it seems, I, I know Nate's been a little healthier than Cam. Uh, Cam people seem to be in and out all the time, but Nate's an incredible runner. He's just kind of a different guy. He's more of a squatty, kind of quicker guy. Both of them ran over Arkansas State for what it's worth. We get ULM next. I'm sure that uh, ULM is looking at the tape and sort of frothing at the mouth, hoping to get that fifth victory. But we'll talk a little bit about that later. Speaking of which, I made the pilgrimage to San Marcos. And let me tell you something, boys. San Marcos is, is, is the best kept secret in the Sunbelt. It was a great time. It was beers flowing. Yeah. Great football, great environment, great people, friendly people. Yeah. Can't say enough. Huh. Great press box food, by the way. Wow. Great sweet food. Yeah. I did not get to meet the Don, though. I met his wife, yeah. but I did not get to meet the Don. Otherwise, I would have had to, you know, get a picture with him for the good old fun belt to show our clout that we have, that we know the Don. So, so far, you've kind of done some name dropping, which is cool. You've talked about the great food that you've had and the fine accommodations that you enjoyed. You talked about the atmosphere. But, Tim, what happened at the game? What, who won? I can't, what, was, what was that like? I what thought we were still talking about Arkansas State, and I just interrupted you. <laughs> Here, here's the deal. It was a simple <laughs> breakdown of the game. Okay. There's a stat of explosive plays. It's 20 yards or better. Texas yeah. State had the explosive play. ULM didn't. That's the difference of an eight-point game. It didn't help that there was some bad clock management to close out the first half where we didn't get a field goal attempt off that would have cut the lead. It didn't help that we missed a PAT, something that our kicker had not done all season long. But despite all of that, we were 11 of 22 on third down. And you say 50%, yeah, okay. You realize the Warhawks ran 98 plays of offense. I mean, you do everything you can. It was literally about a three-play different game where Texas State had the big explosive play. ULM didn't. It is what it is. With a freshman quarterback, that's about what you would expect. Next year, hopefully, that's not the same case. But again, as I've said all along, we're playing with house money, baby. Four wins. Yeah. Could be five by next week, next time we talk. Well, it could be, maybe. 
Possibly. Maybe even six the week after that, and then seven by the time December rolls around. Lot to play for these last three games for the Warhawks. Lots to play for. Ben, your your, your camera is like shaky. Are you okay? Is there an earthquake or something like that there? I I I, uh, I think your dreams are, are are out there a little bit, but uh, I think uh, yeah, you have an opportunity to win number five. We'll we'll we'll, we'll slow slow down there. Uh, yeah, now now Jeremy's camera's shaking. Something must be going on there. Uh, I, don't, I don't really know, but uh, the earthquake is going coast to coast. <laughs> By the way, traveling from state to state. Speaking of seismic activity, Georgia State now up forty four ten over Bruton Parker. At the break, at, at, at halftime, they, they have allowed Bruden Parker to grab some water, uh, wipe the sweat from their brow, and then uh, we'll, we'll play another 20 minutes there at the sports arena. Also, allowed double digits. I did not expect that to happen for Bruden Parker. I feel like this is a chink in Georgia State's armor. We should prop that probably bears watching. Yeah, here's uh, and and we'll talk about it obviously throughout the season. But this is the last uh, last season of the Georgia State Sports Arena for the. Uh, since joining the Sun Belt, they are 93 and 15 at home. Just uh, mm-hmm. dominant, and uh, the, the hashtag Run SBC for those who follow me on Twitter. Uh, that was a marketing campaign that was uh, done by the ticketing office, who said, uh, "When RJ Hunter's year, uh, if you come and you buy season tickets, we'll give you uh, basically every single uh, Sun Belt game will be included for free. So if you paid, I think it was like 10 bucks." We'll get you the entire conference schedule. They didn't lose a home game that season, so they don't lose much at the sports arena. And uh, head coach Rob Lanier has the guys rolling. And uh, yeah, uh, I think if if I was in attendance, I might got got some second half run tonight, boys. That's good value. That's good value. You know what else was a good value? Troy doesn't doesn't have to pay shipping for the battle for the belt because it's staying in Troy. When they beat South Alabama 31-24, fourth straight win for the Trojans. Trojans lost me some money on that because I did not expect Trojan Trojans to win. I thought South Alabama was gonna come back strong on that. And I, they let me down. Where were the Jags the first half? I mean, it, Troy was had 31 first half points and then won 31-24. Yeah. In fact, that, that I think that was the sentiment on the Twitters was what's going on with the Jags? Why haven't they gotten uh, on the field yet? Because there was really nothing going on with the Jaguars. And then suddenly they come out and make a game of it. But uh, yeah, that was surprising to me. I did not expect that. I've never been a big believer in Troy all year long. I don't know why. Uh, I feel like Troy, though, is getting a little stronger, uh, beginning to score more points. That defense is still stout. Troy might still be in sneaky position to cause a few nightmares. They're coming to the stronger division. Yeah, the biggest we, we gotta love gotta love yeah, us in Troy. The biggest thing would Yeah, I mean the, the biggest thing, especially in the first half, I mean South Alabama couldn't convert on third down. I mean, for the for the game, they were four for sixteen, uh turned the ball over, uh had a fumble that directly led to a score, pick six for Troy. And that's that's the big thing that we've talked about for a while, right? Is their defense has been solid, their offense hasn't been good. Um, if you give them the ball repeatedly, especially in a rivalry game like like this one, um, they have an opportunity to put up points. But I mean, as you guys talked about, they, they downshifted basically throughout the third and fourth quarter um, and allowed South to come back. Uh, sounds like Jake Bentley uh, has got a knee injury 
And uh, he may unfortunately miss the rest of the season or, or significant portion of, of the this, you know, next three weeks, uh, which is a huge loss. Uh, obviously, they're, you know, fifth, fifth year senior quarterback, a uh, guy that was performing very well for the Jags. And uh, they have a tough schedule. Uh, as you mentioned, Jeremy, as well, uh, Troy looks to be, you know, kind of in the catbird seat. Now they, they have to win one more game of their next three to get bowl eligible. And it, and it very melt, well may come down to uh, their, their matchup with the Panthers uh, in Atlanta on Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah, and that's and losing Bentley, huge blow. I think. Guess we won't find out what Jeremy thinks there. So, uh, so that 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 can't be lost. And then when you get uh, Tolbert and have <laughs> when you have Tolbert in the mix, you know Tolbert having that magic season, and you lose your your starting quarterback. I I don't know how that affects Tolbert. So Tolbert down, McCall or not Tolbert? I'm sorry, Bentley down. McCall down, some of the premier quarterbacks in the Sun Belt taking some big injuries. Hide your wife, hide your kids. They're breaking everybody in the Sun Belt. The finale, it was an ugly game. It, it was nasty just listening to that game on the radio as I was driving back from San Marcos. Georgia Southern, four turnovers. Four turnovers. And then they were completely shut out until about the 10:50 mark of the fourth quarter. They lost to Coastal 28-8. to It's the first time, though, that Coastal has not scored in the first quarter this season. Well, there's something – you know, Georgia Southern, they have the capacity every now and then to put up a quarter of defense or definitely put up a quarter of offense. They, 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 they'll do something weird to you that you've never seen before and you've got to adjust. So I, I, it's not surprising to me that Coastal had trouble with that. Uh, but I, I believe that Ben could expand on this more. What's going on in in in, in uh, Statesboro now is a bit of a, of a circus. We've got the new coach with with Helton coming in. I think that the 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 crew ended up putting up billboards across the Sun Belt announcing Helton as the new coach, which is kind of sad and funny and goofy at the same time. Uh, I don't know what's going on in Statesboro. They hired a guy that doesn't seem to, to fit their profile very well. Maybe that's intentional, though. Maybe they're trying to move into a new direction. Clay Helton certainly is the splashy hire that we were warned about uh, several weeks ago when they fired Lunsfield and we had uh, so-and-so. I forget his name. <laughs> I suddenly forget his name, but the guy from the Georgia Southern uh, podcast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he told us. Yeah, T-A-T-A talk, yeah. Yeah, we're going to spend some money and we're going to get a guy. We just kind of want to, you know, okay, fine. Find a, find yourself a nice triple option guy. Ended up with Clay Helton. Uh, ben, I'm sure you have a little bit more analysis surrounding this. Yeah, it just just kind of a head-scratching hire, quite candidly. Um, you know, it, it just doesn't fit. Uh, um, you know, there, there's kind of folks that are drawing the parallels from his time. And he's a Gainesville, Florida native. Uh, he coached in the ACC at Duke. Uh, again, that was – multiple decades ago so it's not like you have you know recruiting ties uh there either um the biggest thing ultimately down at georgia southern they have to you know go back and, and really try to find their identity you know they they uh had some guys several years ago who, who were drafting the nfl um you have tyler bass who's a buffalo uh, who's, who's one of the better uh kicking prospects there you've got two dbs that are that are uh playing yeah, in the nfl yeah. um and and and, and you know, young way coup with the Falcons. Um, so that they've they've had guys in the last four or five, six years that have produced and been talent. You've just seen the the talent continue to dip. 
And on the offensive line and defensive line, and specifically at quarterback, um, you know, Shy Wirtz was the guy, right? He was there for three, four years. He was the guy that they kind of continued to trot out there, and you really haven't replaced him. Now you're going to be moving away from a triple option. Clay Helton is not an option guy, uh, which I'm sure bothered some of the old guard, as we talked to Matt uh, a few weeks back about um, how you how that old guard loved the triple option and wanted to keep that in. Um, that's not going to be his offense. It's going to be spread. Uh, the rumors are that, that uh, they're going to hire Brian Ellis from Western Kentucky, who was his quarterback uh, coach there at Southern Cal. Um, so that's going to be a, you know, a wide open pro style spread offense that they want to run. Um, there's just not a lot of talent there in, in terms of qu- at quarterback at the skill positions. You don't have tight ends. You don't have offensive linemen that can pass block. So uh, it's going to be a big undertaking. Uh, I know a lot of folks, uh, certainly down in Statesboro and, and folks that have been in my mentions, uh, think, think that they're going to utilize the transfer portal. That's all well and good. Um, you can try to give an opportunity to that, but folks are paying attention to you this last month of the season, and they look absolutely terrible and listless. And Hel- Helton's already there. Um, you know, he's, he's I guess, is I don't know if it's supervising practice or just watching or going over film, but um, I, I know it's got to be awkward for that staff who's likely yeah, has oh, three yeah. more games going to be looking for jobs as well so um it's it's a very interesting uh you know hire i know they wanted to get in there before the early signing period to host some recruits the first week of december um they they should probably have a lot of room Uh, i'd imagine you're going to see a lot of uh, eagles in the transfer portal as well as there's some tough conversations going to be happening uh, with a lot of the members of their roster but um just just a program in disarray and 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 one that obviously won uh the sunbelt title you know with under willie fritz and obviously did uh, you know, at least had some success with Chad, Chad Lunsford was a, you know, consistent seven or eight win team. And now it's just, you know, free falling right now. Oh my God. The ULM season's over. They're down two nothing to LSU. <laughs> I got four nothing here, but gentlemen, we have the first Sunbelt final of the year in basketball. UA Little Rock 69. Nice. SIU 66. First win of the season for the Sunbelt. Well done. Good job. Trojans to Little Rock. Good job. I'm, I know ULM, you're going to pull it out, but that was nice of the Trojans to honor the Sun Belt with a victory, just like I know that the Warhawks are going to do tonight against the Tigers. It's going to happen. I know that you're going to have the same type of game as the Panthers are having against uh, what we call these guys. The uh, Bruden Parker Barons. If it tells you anything, they gave two points to ULM then took it off the board for some reason. Oh wow! It was stop the count. Stop the count. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I don't know what's going on down on the bayou. The 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 real bayou, the red stick. Week eleven coming up. Fascinating week. The Panthers get to host the golden child of the Sun Belt, the Sea Chickens, without. Grayson McCall. And so I think that this is going to be the upset of the year. Elliot said on the coaches conference call this week for the, the Sunbelt, that he reminded the team last year of that 51, nothing beat down saying it was the most embarrassing loss of his career and of Georgia state football. Yeah, I, I echo that. And, and, and in terms of points, points, it's the largest loss, home loss in the history of the program. And, and the program has 
seen some losses, specifically at home. So, um, you know, it is embarrassing. Uh, the game was over at halftime, uh, and it was it was homecoming, and and uh, you know, you had folks walking out of that building at, at halftime, basically. Um, and Coach Elliott talked about basically within two series, the game was over. You know, he missed Panthers missed a field goal. Uh, Coastal came back and scored touchdown. Uh, went three and out, gave it back to Coastal again. They scored again, and they were off and running. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's a huge opportunity. Um, you know, it, it is on the road in, in Conway uh, to to go in there. The 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 Sun Belt, uh, you know, schedule makers uh, decided to go Panthers three straight road games, uh, which is always always fun in the league. But um, no, huge opportunity, obviously. Um, you know, the, 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 the chance offense is very, very different without Grayson McCall at the controls. And I think, um, you know, the Panthers are, are going to be in this ball game. Uh, they need to get some passing offense going. You know, they're going to run the football. I think they're up to 11th or 12th nationally now in rushing attack per game. So uh, if the Panther express as some fans call it, if they, it can get rolling uh, in uh, on the teal turf there in Conway, uh, it, it should be fun. And 18 former South Carolina prep, standouts from the Panthers uh, will be making their return to the Palmetto state. So uh, I believe six of the coaches uh, are either South Carolina natives or played it in, in the state of South Carolina as well. So it's a homecoming for that. Um, and uh, what's always interesting too, at Brooks stadium, uh, I believe their two largest crowds are against Georgia state ever. So uh, I don't think this is a rivalry, but uh, in the series we've seen uh, neither Home team has ever won a game. So the visiting team always wins in a series so far. So we'll see if that changes on Saturday. Well, you talked about homecoming and you talked about rivalries. Apparently they've made this game their homecoming game with the Panthers. Am I correct? So there, there's going to be some juice with the Beef. Panthers. <laughs> there's going to be some juice on both sides. But, but they're, with Grace McCall looking like he's hanging it up for the season, they, they will have that emotion with the homecoming game. They will have the emotion of trying to defend that, that AP ranking that, that, that seems to be just barely holding on to. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's going to be a great game. Tibbs called it an upset special. Uh, I, I, I can't see why it's not an upset special. I, 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 guess I, I guess I feel like Coastal squeaks by on this based on it being home field advantage alone and having the homecoming. But it wouldn't surprise me a bit if Panthers win this game. South Alabama, App State. I think with Bentley being ruled out, this goes from being a game that I was excited about to, yeah, yes. App State's probably going to roll in this one. Um, I don't know anything about the South Alabama backup, but he's no Jake Bentley. And so I think that the whole offense is going to be try to get the ball to Jalen Tolbert as much as you can. But I don't know if that second – string quarterback can do that yeah what's devastating for the for the jags is that sitting on five wins you know you lose your quarterback right when you're trying to get to bowl eligibility and that's just a that's just a a, a bad storyline for the jaguars who, who came in with pretty high expectations uh wanted to make a lot of noise in the sun belt had some ups and downs have the new coach have the new facility Having the going to a bowl game would be the perfect bow to the season. Now that's under threat, and they get to play Appalachian State. Yikes! Yeah, it's 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 a tough deal. Desmond Trotter is the backup quarterback for South Alabama. Does not have the the pedigree that Bentley does, or, or the physical skills, uh, quite honestly. And and 
Uh, it's one of those scenarios too, where you have to, you know, almost have an app state type C minus game to really try to take advantage of that. And, and I just don't see it. I mean, I think the, the Mountaineers are locked in. Um, they're, they're staring at that as we've talked about, you know, they can, they can win and continue to, um, to punch their ticket there to, to, you know, get that Sunbelt East title and, uh, you know, head on to Cajun field, uh, there in the first week of December. Georgia Southern Texas state. Maybe I still have my maroon glasses on, but I think Texas state has a little role. I think Georgia Southern is limping in at the right time. One of their star defensive backs, Najee Thompson, is out this week for Georgia Southern. So I, I think that the Bobcats are really just going to use that passing game they found against ULM and, and continue rolling on. And, and Matt, who, who played quarterback for the Bobcats against ULM? That the Vitt, Vitt, I believe. Oh, Taylor Vitt, yeah. you're right. Yeah, and I, Did he not win Offensive Player of the Week? that i think he did wait wait who, who was defensive player like what team did he play for the defensive player of, of the week <laughs> i don't know i don't know why you're getting so defensive about this I, I'm just right questions also <laughs> no i did actually generally did forget that it was Vito that ended up quarterbacking is he going to be the quarterback headed into this game i think so i mean i i, I think that he's you go with who got you to the dance. And I mean, Vic goes for 262 last week. He's not bad. He was your starter last year. So you know what you're getting with him. It's not, you know, the mysterious secondary string quarterback that that's kind of getting thrust into action. I mean, this guy was a starter and, and was right at the cusp with McBride coming into this season. So, yeah, if you're looking for a game where you want your quarterback to gain some confidence in the passing game, there's really no better team to play right now. Not even the Red Wolves, but Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern's pass defense is 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 something that is the cure for any quarterback looking to gain some stats, looking to gain some confidence, looking to gain some rapport with his wide receivers. Uh, I, I you're right, Tibbs. I don't see Texas State having much problem with a Georgia Southern team that's basically just auditioning for Clay Hilton right now. Yeah, I, I think that's that's the issue, right? Ultimately, you, you want to have some players that that want to prove they need to be they need to stick around, uh, you know, down in Statesboro. But um, I, I think the vote of confidence too by the athletic director for Jake Spavital has certainly you know kind of reinvigorated their team and 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 maybe even him, you know, I, I, we know um, how difficult it has been there uh, before with Spavital. And, and uh, we talked about it at length um, the last few months about, you know, his approach to recruiting and, and not going after high school guys and going and getting transfers. So um, if they do have a little bit of momentum that they can build into uh, the early signing period, I think, I think it's great. Um, you know, try to reel off a couple wins. And I think they have that opportunity. And, you know, the, I, I hate to use the quit word, but uh, you, you have a Georgia Southern team that's losing kids to the portal. You have a new coach who is going to be running a different scheme. There's going to be opportunities uh, for these kids to look around and going, hey, this guy may not want me around um, because I don't fit here. And uh, they, they could look up and just say, you know, uh, unplug and, and just go through the motions, which is pretty dangerous in the game of college football. In addition to that, I didn't realize looking at it, Georgia Southern negative eight on turnover di- differential. <laughs> wow, That's not good, is it? Not, not, not great, Bob. Not unless we're playing golf. The finale 
the four o'clock game. I'm I'm shocked that you will live the jewel of the Sun Belt schedule right here. They're they're having a day game in Monroe, and Jeremy doesn't want to go. You know, I have got responsibilities here in, in Arkansas that I have to attend to. But I will be looking at this game with great You're interest. wearing flamingo though. pants, Jeremy. <laughs> These aren't flamingos. These are actually polar bears. Oh, I'm, I'm wearing so polar sorry. bear pajamas tonight. Very but, uh, manly. Man- manly polar bears. <laughs> so I was looking at, uh, you know, I'm looking at, I'm putting together the preview for Warhawks and and. Red Wolves. And last year, the game was a get well game for the Red Wolves. It was a a game that was highlighted by Lane Hatcher. He threw for five touchdowns over 300 yards. Uh, Four of those touchdowns went to Corey Rucker. Another one of those touchdowns went to Jeff Foreman. All these guys are still on the team. Rucker has become the star receiver. Uh, Foreman still needs a little bit of work, but he's, he's a good guy too. And looking back on that game, I looked at that game last year and said, this is the game that shows us that the Red Wolves will have something in the tank for next season. I was very excited about the performances of that game against uh, ULM. You know, fast forward to this year, both coaches that coached that game, gone. Matt Vieter, adios. Blake Anderson, I'm going to Utah State. And not only that has changed, the whole Sun Belt has changed. Suddenly now we're a 14-team uh, football league. We've got these this new blood coming in. We've got new coaches that have come in. We've got a legend coaching ULM and Terry Bowden. We've got experienced hands in terms of Butch Jones on the other side. We've got a one and well, we one and eight. Yeah, one and eight team and at the Red Wolves. We got a ULM team that is sort of a Jekyll and Hyde where they might have an upset of Troy. They might have an upset of Liberty. They might upset South Alabama, but then they'll get destroyed by Appalachian State or they'll get destroyed by Coastal. What kind of team is ULM? We don't know. We don't know what kind of team ULM is. One day they're getting beat by Texas State. Another day they're making a Heisman contender look bad. So this this game, this game is, it, it frightens me to death. I, I'll just be looking much like Clay Hilton will be analyzing the Georgia Southern team for the future. I will be analyzing this game for future positives for the Red Wolves. 12 years since ULM last beat Arkansas State. Yeah. And get this, it hasn't been since 2013 that ULM has been favored to beat the Red Wolves as they are favored to beat the Red Wolves by three points this Saturday. It's it's the home field three. <laughs> yeah. It's not a big spread, no, but it's still it's it's a sign of the times. It's a sign of I the like times. I like the Warhawks and I like them to win. That's what I I think the the juice is there for the Warhawks, and I, I still think the uh, the Red Wolves are allergic to defense. So, <laughs> well, ULM also has something to play for. Four wins in their pocket. They got three chances to get two wins and get that elusive. Uh, bowl bid. If you don't beat the Red Wolves, then maybe you don't deserve to get that bid. I'm just saying that, Tibbs. You gotta, you're gonna, you going to have to beat us to deserve it. How amazing would that be, though, for O on his way out of LSU to lose uh-huh. to the in-state school? <laughs> well, that would be magic. <laughs> it would be beautiful. Speaking of in-state school, uh, do we have a uh, an update on ULM versus LSU on the hardcore? 
Down nine. Shooting right. from the floor. Still, still early. You got it. Got a shot. Okay. Okay. And it just updated down seven. Do we have any more finals? It doesn't look like it. No, there's no finals yet. Uh, the Bobcats look to be handling the cardinal of incarnate words so far. Yeah. Coming up on uh, the last kind of quarter of the first half. Coastal's okay. rolling. Ball State, Georgia Southern tied at 41, it just tipping off the second half. So they're in a dogfight. Yeah. That'll be a good one down the stretch. App State barely beating Iona, but but still with the win so far. That one also in the second half. Panthers, yeah. They're <laughs> they're rolling. I'm telling you, the Panthers should be arrested for this game. They should be arrested for what they're doing to Bruton Parker. Arrest those guys now. Who is Bruton Parker? It, it, well, that's that's what they were saying. Is is it a is it a coach's name or a college? We 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 weren't we weren't quite sure. So, uh, but but here here's I guess the, the toughest part about it. We've talked about it obviously on the podcast the last few weeks about home scheduling and and, and different things like that across the league. Um, it's very very difficult to get quality opponents in in, in Sunbelt buildings because they don't want to lose. Number one, and so when you go out and play the non D one, um, those games don't count you know, toward the final standings and, and, you know, to the, towards the new net, you know, they replaced the RPI, which still is just a computer formula that I can't possibly fathom and not smart enough to understand, but um, ultimately they're good warm up games. Um, you know, they're, they're a good opportunity to, to build rotations and, and uh, as they, they move into, um, you know, non-conference play and, and the games that do count, as we know, will be here, uh, you know, sooner rather than later coming this weekend. Bruton Parker, Sounds like a junior on a high school lacrosse team. Yeah, or, or ah, another a, nice, a nice fraternity guy. Parker. You know, I, I see a nice fraternity guy with with some a collared shirt and some croquis. That's that. Hey, that's Bruton Parker. Yeah. Hey, Bruton, my man. Yeah. Well, see, basketball season is just tipping off. <laughs> We're already talking bowl games though, and the latest round of projections comes out. Okay. Our friend Doug. He might get his first Sunbelt Conference team there as App State is projected to go face Western Kentucky in the roofclaim.com Boca Raton Bowl. Okay. Ben, you can have my room in Mobile that I prematurely booked. Panthers headed to play Miami of Ohio in the Lending Tree Bowl. Lafayette will once again go to New Orleans for the New Orleans Bowl. I swear that's like the only bowl they ever go to. Set up to Myrtle Beach, man. And, oh, that would be Oh, um, they get to face future conference member of Marshall. That Ooh. that'll be a good, good, good matchup, and probably a preview of a couple championship games on the horizon. Yeah, you mentioned Myrtle. The Sea Chickens are staying home, and they'll play Ball State in the Myrtle Beach Bowl. And then Christmas, the ugliest field in America travels to Montgomery to face the Troy Trojans, Eastern Michigan and the Trojans in the Camellia Bowl. None of those games. Fun belt and Maxion just combined. <laughs> I would think it would be a tragedy if I were Coastal Carolina and ended up having to play Ball State. At, home. At home. <laughs> at, at, in your own building. Yeah. That's yes. And, and oh, by the way, that. probably still be ranked by then because if they don't make the Sun Belt title game and they win out, they're going to continue to progress up the, uh, up the rankings. Absolutely. Absolutely. Is it a slap in the face though that you're you 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 finally make a bowl game, but it's at your home stadium, and I'm sure somehow you'll be the away team. 
So you don't even get your locker room. <laughs> that would be so grisly and so gross. I don't even want to contemplate it. So have they come out with the new uh, rankings yet? I, I, I haven't seen here. Yes. By the way, South Alabama's beaten Spring Hill uh, 22 to 5. So. Well, that's a no-biter. That's pretty embarrassing. But uh, I don't think... So while you're looking up football rankings, the other football, South Alabama is going to represent the belt in women's soccer, (laughs) having won the championship over Georgia Southern. I'm sorry, Lady Jags. I think think the glass slipper is, is getting put on. Cinderella's story is over. You're playing number one, Florida State, on Friday afternoon. I'm very bitter about this whole situation because my Red Wolves won the regular season title. And then they lost two. In the row. They lost, lost to some greasy team south of Jonesboro. I won't say who it was because they don't even aren't worth mentioning. Out of the tournament on the first game, just completely unfair. But the best team in the Sun Belt will not be represented in the Sun Belt in the NCAA. Ben, it was fantastic because we were actually casting for that game. And next thing you know, I'm in the room all by myself because Jeremy is is no longer with us. He has was, left the building. I was quite bitter. Was all because bitter. all because I, I merely celebrated that at the time Yolim was up 2 nothing. You know, and a 2 nothing lead in soccer is like a 1,000-0 lead. In it's like a Panthers and Bruton Parker game. <laughs> Yes, the Red Wolves are the Bruton Parker of, so- of Sunbelt soccer. Poor oh, Red Wolves. Con- congrats to South Alabama, though. That's good. And then, uh, yes, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, I thought it sounded yeah. like a bad sport. Yes, congratulations. No, you, you, but, but like you said, the, the president is to, to basically face the number one overall seed, uh, Florida State Seminoles, who, uh, who, who are, are just tremendous in women's soccer. Yeah, and that, that's probably kind of that's something that we have to think about in women's soccer and, and, and uh, Sunbelt basketball is that we have to find ways not to be our, our automatic qualifiers to, to be taking these sort of punches on the chin when we end up in the national tournament. So hopefully the, the, the product on pitch gets a little bit, bit better and we see better, better, better seedings in the future. Well, that's all we got for this week, boys. What uh, parting shots, promos, and everything else do you have there, Ben? Yeah, it's uh, it's the convolution of uh, men's basketball and football all kind of coming together. So a uh, very very busy time, obviously uh, here here in Atlanta, and uh, you know get, getting to uh, you know, it feels like almost every other day there's there's something going on uh, from a basketball or football or something that way. But um, still get a chance to cover uh, recruiting as we know that never stops, right, Dusty? Um, so get to uh, get to do that, and, and looking forward to post Bruton Parker. Uh, seeing how the Panthers and, and keys to the season there and, and if they can stay healthy and uh, maintain their lofty goals. This team wants to uh, go and, and set uh, some very, very high marks, including the uh, the program record of a 29-5 and five season that was set back when I strolled across the Comp Creek campus. So uh, that is that is uh, out there for this team, and uh, Coach Rob Lanier is, is looking to, uh, to build, uh, you know, a monster uh, in year three. So... 
Let us not forget, too, that the women are also starting Sunbelt basketball play. I know that sometimes that the women in basketball take a backseat to the men. That's not fair because the women play excellent basketball. I know that uh, my Red Wolves have not had good seasons of late, but they did beat Central Baptist this afternoon by a very convincing score. So all of Red Wolf land is very happy. Meanwhile, Red Wolves play Harding tonight. So I will be glued to my, my ESPN3 portal machine to check that out. So the best thing about college football is obviously the game day experience. Ooh. Texas State had one of the best experiences ever that I saw. Every stadium is kind of divided right in half. You have the alumni, parents, and uh-huh. the inside. And then there's the student side. You go on the, the the real side, we'll call it, fried Oreos, fried Twinkies, popcorn, the normal selection of beers. You go to the student section, pizza and $3 Natty Lights or Bush Lights. Yeah. Kudos to you, Bobcats, for knowing your target market. Is it possible, Ben, I, I throw this to you because... I'm not sure if we'll get a straight answer from Thibodeau. Is it possible that Dusty has switched allegiances from the Warhawks and is now a boob cat? It, it feels like he's leaning heavy that way. Like, I, I think he was won over this weekend. So I, I think his, uh, you know, certainly his alma mater has work to do to uh, get back in the good graces. Well, it looks like to me that the Texas State really did what they could to recruit Thibodeau into San Marcos and really get him to to really embrace that Bobcat culture. So yeah, maybe what we need to do is maybe send a copy of this episode to some higher officials at ULM and say, look what's happening here. The famous Dusty Thibodeau is now a Bobcat. He's been wooed. I mean, that's that's what we're hearing. He, he's <laughs> certain, you know, been he's certainly coming way impressed. And totally uh, wooed. You, I have not been to San Marcos, but. Uh, Dusty selling it for me. I, I'm, I'm afraid to go to San Marcos. It's absolutely. like like a like the Wicker Man or something. I, I think we need a show road trip for sure. I've, I've been saying that and trying. I was going to meet Jeremy at Malone Stadium. I would have yeah. bought him uh-huh. some good old Warhawk beer, uh-huh. and and we could have laughed. We could have recorded a live show without Ben. You know, kind of like we do all the time. Yeah. And, you know, watched football. We could do that, but do we have enough money in the Fun Belt podcast petty cash drawer to make all that work? Do Have we saved up enough? Have we gotten enough ad revenue? Have we, have we gotten enough sponsorship revenue to really do that trip in style? Because I'm talking four-star hotel. I'm talking about the best wine. Have I'm you been to Monroe? The cigars. What? Huh? What? You're not getting four-star Monroe. You're probably not getting wine. You're probably getting river water. What the hell? You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.